And so I don't know about you, but uh, the events of Easter have come upon us uh, so quickly this year uh, amidst this global pandemic that we found ourselves in. We could be forgiven, I think, for thinking, is there any place or is there any now? But I'm wondering if, in fact, this is the year when we, in fact, need the Easter story more than we've ever needed the Easter story before. As we contemplate physical death and pain and isolation in a new way, I'm wondering if maybe this is exactly the time when we need to take time to think about the bigger story, the eternal story, the greatest rescue mission that the world's ever seen, when physical death lost its sting, when God broke into the darkness, when it was shattered in victory. And that's why even amidst the chaos today across the world, people will stop, probably not in cathedrals or churches or stadiums as normal, probably in hospitals and homes, to think about these events that happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. They'll mourn, they'll weep, they'll think about the greatest and most costly sacrifice ever seen when Jesus, God himself, took the weight and the pain and the cost of all of the darkness in all of the world on his shoulders and he died for you and he died for me. So I guess if you've braved turning on the news these last few weeks, and I don't recommend doing it for very long, you've been confronted by all sorts of statistics and death and pain and isolation that we're so not used to. Maybe you felt fear, maybe you felt anxiety churning, maybe concerns for your own health, finances, maybe for your loved ones, people who are near, people who are even further away. But for sure, what we've all had to come to terms with is the fact that all the things which we thought were solid, the things of having good healthcare, good education, good financial planning, good jobs, the things which were basis, a whole basis of our lives, we've turned out don't seem to be quite as strong, as tough, as resilient as we thought. In fact, we've had to come to the terms with maybe the fact that we're not quite so immortal as we once thought we were. And maybe right now that's left you feeling a little bit all over the place. Certainly if you're like me, the events of the last weeks and months have left me with all sorts of emotions which I've still got to process through. Death is a big deal in our story right now. Um, but before I came to LA, um, I was a pastor to the southwest of London in England. I wore this uh, collar a lot more than I do nowadays. And one of my jobs was to uh, do funerals for a lot of different people who died in our town. Some were members of our church who we knew well, some we didn't know at all. And there was one particular row in the graveyard where uh, we had our church, which should have really been renamed Ben's Row. Because across my time at that church, I conducted almost every single funeral along this particular row in the graveyard. The first one, just a few uh, months after I arrived at the church, was the tragic death of a 17-year-old girl. She was a Team GB athlete uh, destined for the Olympics and was run over tragically by a drunk off-duty soldier outside of her running club. The whole country mourned the death of that young girl. And I conducted many funerals along the row all the way through to the last in that row just a few weeks before I moved to LA. A death of somebody in their 90s, a lovely lady who'd lived a very long life. But along every uh, funeral, every family, every death was a story of life was a story of meaning, was a story of purpose. But every funeral was so difficult in its own way. 
But over the time that I conducted funerals, I came to spot, I came to notice two particular traits which helped no end as I sat with families. There were two things which made all the difference in the world to the grieving families, and they're the two things of the Easter story which I want to share with you for a few minutes. The first one is this. The families who knew how to deal with grief and death so well were families who had an unshakable Christian understanding that death does not have to be the end of the story. You see, the Bible tells us about a God who created a beautiful world, a world that was brimming with life and hope and joy and beauty. And inside that world, God put his first children, Adam and Eve. And he said to them, I love you. Will you go my way? Will you live life on my terms? He says, I want you to do as I've asked you, but it's your choice. Freedom, free will is yours. And unfortunately, the story of Adam and Eve and the story throughout the history of the world is not of human beings choosing God's will well, but in fact, of humans choosing to rebel. We read, as sadly, of brokenness. We read of the evil one. We read of darkness on every single level of God's beautiful created order from coronavirus through to the internal struggles of our heart. We read of things not as God intended or to do something astonishing, something incredible, something that the devil, the darkness couldn't comprehend to step in. And so 2000 years ago, Jesus stepped in abiding with us. God didn't walk away. You see, the problem was that the darkness, the sin, the brokenness, everything required some sort of fixing. No amount of good intentions or better behavior was going to fix the problem of brokenness and sin and darkness in the world. Something had to happen. And in fact, only one thing could do it. The death of God himself. That's why Jesus came to earth. So often we think of Easter as the sad death of a good moral teacher. But in truth, nobody who ever calls themselves God could ever be considered a good moral teacher. No, in fact, 600 years ago, before Christ, a prophet named Isaiah wrote these words. Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred beyond any human likeness. So he will sprinkle many nations and kings will shut their mouths because of him. For what they were not told, they will see. And what they have not heard, they will understand. Continuing on to Isaiah 53. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of a dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich 
in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied by his knowledge. My, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. You see, the problem was that death, brokenness, and pain had separated us and a holy and an other God. While the world was headed for death, and darkness, God made a way. You see, Jesus died on a cross, not as a sad accident, but he died deliberately for you and for me. See, the death of Jesus is a gift to us because it makes a way between us and God to have relationship again. We didn't earn it, we couldn't deserve it, but Jesus chose to do that for us. On the cross, Jesus defeated the powers of death and darkness and evil in the world. The forces that oppose God and humanity, the spiritual forces behind evil regimes, horrific murders, genocide, coronaviruses, the ones that wreak havoc on our world. 1 John 3, 8 says this, the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil and that's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. Colossians 3 says, On the cross, he, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them open to shame by triumphing over them. You see, on the cross, death was defeated. And what that meant for the families that I went to sit with after every, before every funeral was it meant that death didn't have to be the end. Not that it was automatic. Not that it is just on offer to every single human being without any choice or any involvement. What they realized is for every single one of those lovely people who died, that as they'd committed downs, and actually will say, huh, that was momentary, that was sad but it's nothing compared to the all-surpassing greatness of eternity with our creator in a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, heaven. In fact, John 3.16 says this, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will never perish, but will have eternal life. We can live on earth now, believe it or not, free from fr fear, free from anxiety, free from that sense of death that can cripple us if we have put our hope and trust in Jesus Christ. And I wonder today, as you're watching, I wonder how you feel about that story. I wonder if it's a story that is, feels distant or a story that you've reminisced on once upon a time or whether it's a story that actually has been affecting you recently. And I'd love to invite you this Easter time, particularly as we come to a prayer in a minute, to consider what it would look like to give your life to follow Jesus this Easter. The second thing that the families had, which changed everything, was that they knew that God was walking with them through the roller coasters of life. You see, this uh, last few weeks have been tough for so many reasons, haven't they? I uh, asked our community groups a few weeks ago, I said, what are you missing most in this coronavirus time? Uh, some people said they were missing their favorite restaurant. Um, some people were missing the beach or the mountains. Um, others were missing physical contact. 
Um, we have been shut away in many instances, isolated, and the noise of the world, which so normally surrounds us and is like a cacophony of our lives, has disappeared a little bit. And it can leave us in all sorts of places, can't it? Can't it? Maybe you've been feeling anxious, fearful, angry, cross. I, I don't know. Maybe just unbelievably bored. But in that environment, we have to reflect on who a God might be. Is God just some distant person out there, just a little bit like an old man in the clouds, a little bit cross with the world, not really doing anything to help us, maybe just judging us, expecting us to live to a certain standard or a certain way or a certain religious observation? Is God just some nasty, horrible person who inflicts the coronavirus on the world because he's in a bad tempered? Or is God, in fact, just some vague, good feeling, you know, super spiritual idea that makes us feel a little bit better? Well, actually, the God of Easter is a different God. The God of Easter is a God who would come and dwell with us. Jesus knew what it was to be alive. He was born at the back of a motel in a war-torn land. He was persecuted. He was afflicted. He knew suffering, but he also knew about parties. He knew about family. He knew about celebration. He knew the ups and the downs. He knows how to be with us in the coronavirus period. Hebrews 4.15 says, we do not have a priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness. In fact, we have a God who has been through everything that we have ever been through. Jesus tells us of a God who will never leave us or forsake us, even in the darkness and whatever we're facing right now. He is here to be with us. In fact, Romans 8 tells us that right now he is working all things for good. He is working things for the good of those who love him. Those families realized that even in their darkest, most lonely and sad moments, that God was there with them. Whatever you go through, whether your days are full of joy or whether they're full of sadness, Jesus has been through what you are going through. He knows how to empathize with you. Whatever your pain that you feel right now, whatever your fear, he went through worse because on the cross we find out, Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus took all the pain, all the suffering, all the brokenness and it separated him for a moment from his own father, but he did it because he loves you and he loves me. And so that's his invitation to you and me this Easter. Uh, Daniel, who's our worship pastor, was telling me earlier that 20 years ago on Good Friday, he decided to give his life to follow Jesus. And you know what? It's probably the best decision he's ever made. It's the best decision I've ever made. And so I encourage you, wherever you're watching, whether you've been a Christian for a long time or whether this is a whole new story for you, to consider this Easter, giving your life again, to follow the one who gave everything to reconcile himself to you. God cries out to you through the cross. My child, I love you. Come home, be in relationship with me. COVID 2019 might define our year, if we're honest, but the cross of AD 30 can define our eternal stories if we'll allow it into our hearts.